the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Healthcare premiums through the roof. So much to think about when it comes to healthcare. Who do you talk to? Where do you go next? Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now with hosts Mark Chea, Larry Jones, and from Orlando Medical News, John Kelly. And now let's head into the Healthcare Now studios. Good morning and welcome to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We are Central Florida's locally produced, educationally based radio talk show serving patients, providers, payers, and hospital systems. I'm John Kelly, publisher of the Orlando Medical News. Joining me this morning are two of Central Florida's number one healthcare advocates and my co-host, Mark Chayat, MD, and Larry Jones. Dr. Mark is a pediatric surgeon. He has practiced medicine in Central Florida since 1997 and is president of Pediatric Surgery PA. Larry Jones is the executive director of the Integrated Independent Physicians and CEO of Independent Healthcare Partners, headquartered in Maitland, Florida. Larry, it was reported Friday that 103 million people have had one shot, and 69 million are fully vaccinated. Understanding that the U.S. population is 331 million, Mm -hmm. roughly 21% of the population has been vaccinated. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, the other announcement just came out uh, a few days ago that on April 19th, 90% of the adult U.S. population will be eligible for the vaccination and have a site within five miles of their home. Dr. Mark, that's a big improvement on where we've been. Oh, it is. I think, you know, distribution was always going to be the uh, issue, and things are, you know, there have been errors, there's been some waste, everything you would expect. But, yeah, we've come a long way. Um, You know, when we talk about the percentage of those that we were targeting that have been vaccinated, that's that's a very high percent already. Uh, and now things are starting to open up in the age groups. They are. And the CDC just recently issued a guidance to say fully vaccinated people can travel within the U.S. without getting tested right. or going into quarantine afterwards. Right. And I think it's those kinds of motivations that are going to tip the scales a little bit. I mean, people who uh, haven't either wanted to get vaccinated or just haven't had access that was quite easy enough. Because I've had a few people who are like, man, I don't want to go stand in line. I don't want to go yeah. wait. And now that, that may push people to the right side. Yeah, you know, there is a, a new attitude towards the vaccinations that is, seems to be cropping up among Americans, a little more enthusiastic about being vaccinated, where the most positive change was in the last couple of months among black Americans. It indicated that 55 percent of black adults say that they have been vaccinated or plan to do so, up from 14 percent just in February. Or up, 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 yeah, 14 yeah, percent, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's been a, a lot of uh, push in the uh, in the media, a lot of push from from governmental agencies, uh, trying to tout that that inequity. Um, and it's you know there's a there's a real irony to all all these issues because we saw that during the the worst of the COVID days, you know this 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 virus certainly has been uh, shown higher higher illness and death rates amongst blacks, and so 
add to that that initial reluctance. And I, I, I get it. I know where the reluctance comes from. We talk about this a mm-hmm. lot. We do. So however we can work around it, I really feel, you know, the, I've said it, you know, every, everybody needs to get a vaccine. And, yeah. you know, the sooner sooner we do that, the sooner we can look look behind us and say, well, you know, we can, we can come up with a plan that's not just a, a week-by-week plan, but, but a decade-by-decade plan on how to uh, make sure we don't run into the same problem again. Exactly. And Pfizer recently announced that its vaccine was not only safe, but it was 100% effective in teens between the ages of 12 and 15, and the drug has already been cleared for emergency use for teens 16 and older. Right, I think it's going to be even more open than emergency use. Um, so they're, it's all still state by state, right? Yep. Uh, but uh, and Florida's I guess was, done very well. Florida's done well, yep. and and we've dropped the age. Now are we at forty and up now, or is that about 18. to happen? 18. So it's eight, 18, oh, 18 and up. Eighteen and up. Yep. 18 See, and I'm, up. I'm yep. just I'm mm-hmm. old news already. Yep. So I think it went it went you know sixty five fifty forty eighteen. So there was there was no no right. gaps. So that that is exciting, and it also brings up you know new questions and. In the beginning, it really wasn't that we didn't want to vaccinate kids. It was that it was most important to vaccinate people that were most likely to get High the most ill. Right? High risk. And I think that message was missed um, because mm-hmm. all they ever talked about was we're going we're gonna to take all the senior citizens. And, and the, the message on why was there, but it wasn't as clear as nobody else was getting those first vaccines. So now some people were hammering to get kids vaccinated mm-hmm. on day one. Uh, because right. in in the reality is that's you know where that's where the U.S. spread is coming from, right? And right. I think it's the Pfizer announcement uh, makes it hopeful that these school age kids can receive their vaccinations before the start of the next school year, right? Right, which is very important. Yep, and we, you know point out that the ages you know, that have been set are set by the FDA's information, right? So when they mm-hmm. come out and test, if their test group is eighteen and up. That's the only thing the FDA, FDA is going to address. Mm-hmm. So Pfizer's gone to the extra point of having these further studies done, and I'm sure the other vaccines will follow. Uh, and, yeah, we'll, if we can uh, start a school year and not have a breakout. Wouldn't that be great? It would be great. Yep. yep. I think that, that uh, we talk about the sports teams getting totally wrecked right. week in and week out, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not a laughing yep. matter. And, I yep. mean, it's definitely something that it's going to be a – addressed this is actually sooner than i had anticipated we address it so it's a very positive thing i agree and you know dr mark as a pediatric surgeon and dealing with kids every day what message do you have for parents who are reluctant to get their kids vaccinated have you got a thought on that i do um i and and it's going to be this is going to be the toughest group when we start talking about the young school age kids and families that have been anti-vaccine for all the other vaccines that that our herd has immunity to issues right so just look at science and look at the fact that this is a different kind of vaccine. Um, it's, a, it's a different carrier. It's a different delivery system. It's not the virus. I mean, it's, it's really different. Now, is that a guarantee? Well, there, there, it's not. But what is a guarantee is that we are seeing continued spread from school-age kids to parents to grandparents. And we're also seeing some kids that have this delayed response that end out as sick as any of the as any of the adults, fairly small mm-hmm. group. So, when you put the the benefit versus the risk, you know, I really think everybody needs to get a vaccine. Well, until we get to that seventy percent uh, considered herd immunity, it's going to take the kids to help us get there. It will, and even when we get to that seventy percent, mm-hmm. because especially in Florida, you know, we are a tourism state. 
And the U.S. is a, a an open border country that has a <laughs> lot of people coming in from overseas. So it's not going to be over at the 70 percent. Right. It'll be a reset. Right. Dr. Mark, I need to jump in and ask you a question. I wrote an op-ed this weekend, and part of my research, I learned that measles is three to four times more contagious than COVID. Do you think parents realize that? Well, so with that data is, uh, so somebody's going to jump back at this on our fact check. So that data is based on what we thought that original COVID, COVID transferability was. But now with some of the new variants, we think that's gone up. So it's certainly at that level, right? Measles and it's the numbers are getting pretty close. But no, I don't think people, you know, measles has this different, different thought in different age groups. You know, most of the younger folks aren't even thinking about it. You know, chickenpox are not even thinking about it anymore. They're getting vaccines, and so it's it's hard to know what people are going to make of that. Really, I think it's yeah. it's probably you know our grandparents have one thought about it, and and the the new kids on the block have another. You know, uh, let's uh, and that's a great comment, John. Let's let's kind of change gears a little bit. Talk about something that's near and dear to your heart, Doctor Mark. And uh, we're seeing that physicians have seen a leveling off of malpractice premiums. And if you remember back in the two thousand and five era, where malpractice prices skyrocketed, med mal insurers are exiting the state. But last year, we saw the first increase in many years during the pandemic. When physicians are seeing less patients and their malpractice increased as much as 30 percent. What are you seeing on that, Dr. Mark? So I think the response, that original period that we had a flat rate going forward, happened because you know, we had all these groups leave. And then the groups that stayed were both right. mostly mutual companies, yes. meaning that the, the their clients had ownership in the company. And I think that there was some guidance there that kept things locked in. And then it's just like any time you, you get a group for whatever reason that says, you know what, I'm not going to do a cost of living increase or I'm not going to do it. Right. We're going to keep it flat. Well, that's been going on for so long that they're looking back at the numbers. I mean, it's all based on what settlements are versus you know how much money's coming in, sure. how much money's going sure. out. Sure. And, there, and we there have was tort a reform in Florida. So. Right. And, yeah. and, and Which we, I'm not sure it really helped. It, yeah, it didn't. <laughs> well, it was because they set it at a number that, that that's it, right. it really didn't 500000 for right. the doctor, 500000 for the hospital. Right. That's a million dollars. And the average claim in Florida is under $800,000. Exactly. And so that it was really, really needed to be twice that. But exactly. that as it, as it is, you know, one thing that I will say is that if you contact your malpractice carrier and you sit down and say, listen, my volumes are down 50%, right? they'll actually address that. Okay. Okay. So they will actually address that. Glad to hear that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not, it doesn't cut it in half by any means, but, but there are ways I I really think that the, the insurers understand that if, if fewer patients are being seen, that they're probably having fewer cases. So fewer, fewer legal cases, but yeah, it's, it's a strange animal and it's different state to state. But uh, yeah, when it when it skyrocketed, I mean, it was it was a a professional changing oh, event for so absolutely. many. Yeah. Well, that's when uh, a lot of physicians back in the mid two thousands actually started joining hospital systems. They did, particularly the OBGYNs. Yep. They who couldn't, couldn't afford, afford a three hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollar policy. Yeah, I know. I mean, literally, yeah. there were numbers yeah. where people were their policies were more than half of what their expected income was going to be. Yeah. I I just thought it was really interesting that in twenty twenty. During the height of the pandemic, more than 30% of premiums reported were increased with the liability insurers from the previous year, yep. the highest since 2005. Yep. And like I say, I think that was a that was a plan that's been in, in the works for a few years, yep. and it was 
poorly timed at the very, very best. Very poorly timed. So I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be a response to that um, coming forward, but I would, I would imagine there will be. Okay. There is also a discussion right now in Tallahassee about some types of cap on liability for Florida doctors. Um, coming to the end of this uh, session, and it's time to look at our question of the week. How likely are you to get vaccinated? Please share your thoughts by calling 407-701-7424 or email us, healthcarenow at orlandomedicalnews.com. We'll be right back. Dr. Thomas, please report to the ICU. In every healthcare facility, there's an invasion underway. Pathogens are entering, colonizing, and infecting patients and caregivers, causing extended stays and readmissions. Many pathogens come in on shoe soles, grabbing a free ride into patient care areas and other sensitive locations. That's why there's Healthy Soul, a UVC-powered medical technology that in just eight seconds kills up to 99.99% of the dangerous pathogens on the soles of footwear. The same effective UVC technology that decontaminates whole rooms can now target shoe soles. Independent clinical studies and lab testing prove it. Add Healthy Soul to your infection prevention practices today. Stop pathogen spread in its tracks. Healthy Soul. Visit Healthy Soul. That's healthysole.com today. Smart prevention, fewer pathogens, Healthy Soul. Are your annual wellness visits 60% completed? Medicare requires 60%. ThoughtSwift provides a turnkey solution. Reducing AWVs 5 to 20 minutes. Software-generated care plans, providing patient conversations and billing codes. Improving macro, MIPS, and HEDIS. Net $125 plus per AWV. Interested? John Fogarty, 609-605-6859. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network. Preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us. IPNetworkFlorida.com. Orlando Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at OrlandoMedicalNews.com or give us a call at 407 701 7424. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. Joining us this morning is Dr. Otegbe, the owner and founder of Nightlight Pediatrics, a multi-specialty urgent care pediatric practice with nine conveniently located offices in Metro Orlando, as well as Jacksonville and Melbourne. Welcome, Dr. Otegbe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome, Dr. Otegbe. This is Larry. We're delighted to have you on the show this morning. And why don't you tell us a little bit about Nightlight Pediatrics and the services you provide? Uh, Nightlight Pediatrics is an urgent care center for children and young adults. Um, we, it was created by three board-certified in, intensive care, spe- pediatric intensive care specialists, and it, three of us used to um, help run the intensive care unit and take care of hospitalized kids at then Florida Hospital. Back then, we saw a pinpoint in the care of 
children and young adults because of the long wait time in the emergency room. And we decided to experiment with opening a location to take care of this pain point and still provide quality care. So that's how Nightlight started in 2004, which is 16 years ago now. And we've expanded to 13 locations in Florida, uh, from as far north as Jacksonville to as far south as Port St. Lucie. Hey, Dr. Tabis, it's Dr. Mark here, and those are very formal uh, back and forth because you and I go back even further than the 2004 date. I think uh, I met you about 23 years ago when uh, you and your team were my go-to uh, intensive care docs. And uh, I know that when you first started on this endeavor, it became more and more time-consuming. I certainly missed you at the hospital, but the feedback that I got about your centers and continue to get about your centers certainly has been uh, very impressive. Now, during COVID-19, uh, I can tell you that uh, some of my families dropped in and, and utilized your services, but can you tell uh, tell the listeners like how COVID-19 pandemic issues have changed what's going on in your locations? Yes, um, well, Mark, thanks for a great question. Um, one of the advantages that we have as an independent group is our nimbleness. We saw the need to provide testing for children and young adults in an efficient manner once the pandemic started. And we quickly implemented the process of testing into our patient flow algorithm, taking cognizance of the age, the various sizes of the children from newborn to young adults. And this was exceedingly helpful to our patients. Um, we, uh, our motto has always been children are not little adults, so we they need specialized care that can be tailored to the size and developmental age as well as their comprehension. So we've been able to do about 70,000 tests on children and young adults between June and January of, uh, June of 2020 and January of 2021. And we're actually in the process of trying to publish our experience because of the size of the data that we have. Yeah, Dr. Otegbe, I know that uh, you were one of the early ones doing the rapid testing for kids for schools, if I believe, because I know my granddaughter actually went to your Lake Mary Clinic and had her test done and was able to get back in school very quickly. Yes, Larry, we we made schools aware and made other uh, even uh, physicians in the community are aware about the uh, ability to do the rapid testing. And we're really happy that we were able to do this for children because getting the specimen from um, the nasal passage is not the same as an adult. It's still uncomfortable, but better with with the techniques that we use. Right. So we, we were able to get kids back in school, get them tested, and if they test negative without symptoms, could get them back to face-to-face school. I tell you, personally, one of the things that I've seen that your centers provide is, as you said, it's a specialized care for kids, but as importantly, you know, if they go to other places, uh, they don't have that specialized care, they very often end up in the hospital's emergency rooms, and then there's a pretty good chance that they're going to get admitted and an even greater chance they'll be going home in less than 24 hours, meaning they probably didn't need that at all. And I just find that this isn't a question. This is a statement to you that you guys have done a tremendous job in keeping 
the healthy kids in a healthy place. Yes. And that's hugely, hugely important to their families. It's hugely important to our, our healthcare economy. And probably, I don't, you can, you can tell me that's not the most important thing that you do, but it's really top of the list for me. Thank you very much, Mark. Um, and that's a goal is to provide value and make things comfortable, quick, rapid, and cost efficient in a compassionate manner. On that cost efficiency side, how do you compare like your your rates to families and through insurances to that of if they go to a hospital emergency room? Um, for want of a better phrase, I'll, I'll say it's like night and day. Um, <laughs> I need sort of a hidden secret, so to say. We for the insurance companies that have copies or deductibles, uh, we the out of pocket for the parent is somewhere in between seeing the regular doctor and the ER, but closer to seeing the regular physician. Um, But the total pay, particularly if they have a high deductible, is really astronomical. Um, The ER cost by our experience is about four or five times more than what they would pay for the same uh, condition coming to nightlight. Yeah, you know, we've seen uh, in our own numbers, uh, because we manage a lot of kids in our value-based programs, we see the benefits are usually $50, $75 copay in an urgent care and as much as $250 in an ER. But the difference in the bill, the total overall cost, is anywhere from 150 in the urgent care to on average $3,200 in the ER. So you're right. It is a tremendous difference, Dr. So, Rowe. So from our marketing team, we're going to go with it's like nightlight and day. <laughs> so it's a, it is a huge difference. And, I mean, it's definitely what we're seeing in the, in the trends in healthcare make urgent care, you know, much more important to the payers uh, and, and to our pocketbooks, but then take it to the next level of, you know, the kids. Now, there there are – the hospitals have turned to this, too. They've sort of opened up some kids' yep. specialty practices, but – I know they're not – I'll load the question. I know it's not the same as what you offer, and, and I want to give you a chance to sort of express the differences. Um, thanks, Mark. Gr- great question again. Um, the, what we offer as pediatric intensive care certified physicians, an algorithm that takes care of kids with who are sicker than, than there were just colds and running noses. We will take care of colds and running noses, but we also go to a higher level with the algorithms, and we've done it safely for for the past 16 years. The second part of, of, of that question is we, we work really after hours, and that's when the parents need the service the most. And Lastly, with that algorithm, we we really provide that true value of being able to take care of these kids safely and in a cost-efficient manner. We also get back to the, their primary care physicians same night. So it's a seamless um, process of care, uh, and the primary care physician can take it take the care from there the following day. So our communication with the primary care physician is also a big part of making this cost-efficient and convenient. And I think, you know, for our listeners' sake, that's probably something that is somewhat missed, but it's hugely important to our pediatric community 
Um, I think that uh, when when people do open up these centers, there's this huge concern by the primary care physicians that they may not get those patients back, right? You know, and or or you know, as badly they show up in their office and they, and they had no idea that they were in and treated for something that they would want to know about. So that follow-up really is something that is missed in the bigger systems and something that you guys yeah. do very, very well. I mean, how, how do you do that referral process, follow-up process? Is it just simply part of your, your medical record and phone calls, or what's the typical uh, nuts and bolts of that process? Yes, um, we... We're open in the Orlando area from 4 to midnight, for instance, but all our notes have to be completed that night, and they are auto-faxed to the, to the primary physician's office. So by the time they open in the morning, they can pull our notes and know what happened, call their patients for follow-up, and, take, uh, and, continue, and so it helps the continuity of care. They were in the rare event, a, lot, a few patients that we take care of, by the time we, we've taken care of them, they, a few may need to be admitted. And we just call, we have relationships with the children's hospitals. We call the hospitalists and we direct admit them. So we still avoid the ER and the ER inconvenience and cost. And lastly, we have relationship with a number of um, specialists. And Mark, you know this. So... If they need to see a specialist the following day, we call and a number of the specialists that we have relationships with will see them the following day in their respective offices and take care of the kids. So yeah. by building that network with the with the primary care physician specialists, the hospitalists, we've been able to um, improve the care delivery to to the to the kids and young adults. Yeah, yeah Dr. Otegby, we're kind of running out of time, but uh, you, you provide such a much-needed service in this community. Last 10 seconds message for our listeners. Um, the message is one of hope. We, we are in a war with the pandemic that, by God's grace, we are winning. Um, I, I want to encourage everybody. Uh, Nightlight is here to provide value to the patients. It's child-focused, uh, alternative to the ER, done after hours with seamless care with your primary care doctors that we encourage that you see, and seamless care with specialists if needed. We The cost is um, minimal compared to the emergency room, and right. we just look forward to serving our community going forward. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Otegi. Thanks, Daisy. Good talking. It's not really a long surgery. The recovery time was practically nothing. Pretty much a piece of cake. I look at my scar as my battle scar. You know, I won the battle. Went from death's door to I'm me again. I am enjoying life. I can count on tomorrow. Barostim is an option for heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction. To learn more about the therapy and important safety information, please visit www.cvrx.com. In just eight seconds, Healthy Soul UVC kills up to 99.99% of the pathogens on the soles of shoes. HealthySole.com. Smart prevention, fewer pathogens, Healthy Soul. 
Concerned about COVID-19, MRSA, Candida, C. diff, and more? Healthcare systems across the U.S. trust Curis disinfection systems to protect patients and staff. Curis delivers high-level disinfection products for hospitals, surgical centers, clinics, physicians' offices, and dental suites. Curis means disinfection. Go to CurisSystem.com, C-U-R-I-S-S-Y-S-T-E-M, or 1-800-928-8708. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Looking for affordable or professional video, differentiating your business from competitors? Brand, improving online presence about me or professional videos. Sakatafilms.com, 407-860-3035. Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. We ran out of time at the end there, but anyone who is interested in nightlight pediatrics, you can log in online at www.nightlightpediatrics.com. We have a special guest. Today we're joined by Rebecca Sayago and Ann Packham with Orange County's Primary Care Access Network, more commonly referred to as PCAN. Rebecca is the Executive Director of the Primary Care Access Network. Rebecca was born and raised in Venezuela. She's a registered nurse and immigrated to the United States in 1999 with her husband and two daughters. The Primary Care Access Network provides support to a network of 22 agencies throughout a dynamic collaborative among Orange County government, primary health care centers, community agencies, hospitals, and other social services. PCAN's mission is to improve access quality and coordination of health care services to the uninsured and underinsured in populations of Orange County. Ann Packham is the Marketplace Project Director of PCAN. Ann is a Wolverine, and I'll go no farther. It's been a tough weekend. She has a BA and a master's degree in public health from the University of Michigan. Welcome, Ann and Rebecca. Thank, Thank you, you for inviting us. Great. Ann, I, actually, I, I'll toss it out there, either of you, to just put out the general information about PCAN, a little bit more about what you do, just to sort of familiarize our listeners with your your programs. Sure. Thank you so much for inviting us today. This is a great opportunity for us to uh, bring awareness to the community of what the PCAN network is. And it's, um, like uh, John mentioned, it's um, the acronym of PCAN as Primary Care Access Network. is a network, a collaborative of 22 agencies in the community, including the hospital systems, um, at the table discussing, you know, the uninsured community in need of health care services. Uh, so at the end of the day, after 20 years, um, the, the, the collaborative has been able to um, address the need of health care services for the population of uninsured in the community in Orange County with Orange County government support. Um, so the funding helps um, make sh- making sure that the patients are uh, taken care of in the outpatient setting and trying to avoid that hospital emergency room visit mm-hmm. for uh, something mm-hmm. that can be addressed in the outpatient setting. So um, we've been doing this for a while, um, always trying to match the need of the community. This population, as you well know, is constantly growing, 
and, right. and the growth yeah. is all related to immigration. So people coming sure. from different states, from different counties, from different um, countries in the world um, looking to, you know, emigrate here to the Central Florida community. So healthcare is always a need. Uh, we have great partners at the table and trying to bring awareness to the community that's new in the area looking for services and trying to connect with, um, with a medical home. Right, hey, Rebecca, right. what uh, community agencies do you guys work directly with? Well, um, mainly the hospital systems, again, and then Orange County government kind of supports the infrastructure. Um, the federally qualified health centers um, are the ones the FQHCs, that... FQHCs. FQHCs, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're commonly known as the PCAN clinics because ultimately the mission and the goal of the network is to make sure that individuals get registered established at one of those medical homes for ongoing care. Okay. Um, we know that we have a community that's co- kind of chronic sometimes, and so we want to make sure that they're aware of the services and get connected in a timely manner. Great. And I'm just going to guess that you're the numbers person. So why don't you throw us some numbers? Well, my actually job is to try to reduce the number of people who are uninsured in right, our area. Right. So mm-hmm. what I do is help um, hundreds, if not thousands of people in um, Orange County, but also the greater um, Orlando area, try to get health insurance. So my team works... Um, tirelessly to provide information to residents on who qualifies for what programs, whether it be Medicaid, whether it be Florida Kid Care, whether it be the f- famously known Obamacare or some other kind of program, let them know what they're, what they're able to get and then help them with the enrollment process. You'd be surprised how many people we work with who have masters and PhDs who said, I could not have done this without you because the system is too complicated. We don't understand how it works. So my job yeah. is to get those numbers down. We currently have, um, depending on when you look at the numbers, you know, somewhere above 18 percent of our, our county area is uninsured. Um, that fluctuates and we don't have numbers since uh, since the pandemic. A lot of people lost health insurance through their employer and sure. we don't yeah. actually have those numbers yep. now. So we see it right. going up. We hope it will go down as people get reemployed as the well, economy was, picks up. Yeah, uh, and that was one of the questions I had during the latter part of last year when we saw so many families losing their health care coverage. Your organization must have been bombarded with uh, needs. A lot of people came to us who had lost their coverage mm-hmm. through an employer, and a lot of these folks are people who have never been on any kind of um, government program or anything like that before, so they don't mm-hmm. understand how it works. So we saw a lot of people losing their jobs through employers. Some of those families, um, part of the members of the household may go on to Medicaid, Florida Kid Care. Others went on to the marketplace. So right. we have, yeah, a huge number of people yeah. calling us for help. Yeah, so the new open enrollment that started February 15th to May 15th probably helped dramatically in your organization. Well, actually, you know, since the yeah. since the, those numbers came out, they actually extended it to August 15th. So we're actually oh, I having... Oh, know that. Yeah, that's, okay. that's now until August. And the other most important uh, part of aspect of that is the uh, American Rescue Plan Act, which has now increased the subsidies that are available to people. Yes. So that's been a huge, um, yeah. a huge boom, and other like people three are calling times. us. Yeah, yeah, for a lot of people, yeah. um, I've worked with only it only started April first, but I've seen a lot of people have their premium go from fifty, sixty dollars a month to zero. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have taken the opportunity, surprisingly, to use those savings um, to to buy a dental plan that they may have foregone before because oh, I can't really afford that. I'm not really not sure if I'll mm-hmm. go to the dentist sure. this year. So we're seeing them reinvesting in their health and well-being by getting a dental plan or upgrading mm-hmm. to a better plan yeah. on the marketplace. Let me ask Dr. Mark, you know, we have our large IPA here in Central Florida. Right. How do you think we can help with this project? Well, I was, I was going to bring into that question yeah. as well, um, because I think that certainly the big hospital partners are crucial. Uh, but, but what is your biggest gap? Is it access to primary care physicians, specialists, or, you know, I, I understand the just getting people in and teaching them to use the tools that are already out there are the one of the biggest delivery processes. But where's the gap? 
Well, I think mean, with the uninsured, Rebecca can address that the, is, is with specialty care. So we have right. a great network of primary care, but then when they need to see a specialist or they need follow-up treatment, biopsy, cancer treatment, it's harder to get mm-hmm. if you have no insurance. For us, it's a lot of people will um, enroll in a plan that maybe doesn't suit their needs because they aren't working with a navigator. So they'll pick right. the first one that shows up on the screen. It costs them zero. They think, great, yeah. I have this free plan, only to discover that the copay to see a specialist is $90, and that's not even in their range. So um, the biggest gap is, is information and, and choosing the right plan that really fits your needs. Right, right. Well, I think you know part of your mission kind of fits the mission of this show because it's exactly. education. Um, you know, We're looking at how how to educate it doesn't you said you'd be surprised how many people with master's degrees have trouble with i'm not surprised at all no um you know and, and i think i think most people who have it's frustration right i mean that's that's why people kind of get started on this so it's I wanna, complex yeah i want to sort of reiterate that that if if all you were able to do was identify people who have the need and direct them through those tools that already exist and get them through the marketplace I mean, that's a tremendous piece, and that's only a small part of what you actually do. So right. kudos, and I'm really, really happy that you're, you're here today to talk about your organization. Right. So, Rebecca, how does someone engage with your organization? Well, um, if you have a mental picture of how people get into this community, you know, they come by the airport, they come through different county lines or different states, and uh, they come here and they immediately are either looking for a job, but then they encounter the challenges of housing and transportation, um, and then they're sick. They, they, they have a chronic condition. They have diabetes, hypertension, um, but they're struggling to get, you know, everything together and, you know, provide for their family. So by then, their chronic condition has exacerbated. So now they end up in the emergency room. Mm-hmm. So our goal is to make sure that these individuals know where to go and how to seek the services. The beauty right. of, of PCAN is that the resources are out there. It's just connecting the dots and making yeah. sure to bring awareness, refresh about the information, and, and kind of connect with a, 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 consu- a navigator to get on a marketplace plan. So ultimately is getting them insurance and coverage so they can get um, ongoing care and get a healthier community. You know, you know, Dr. Mark, we've talked about FQHCs in the past right. and how towards October, November, they run out of money. Sure. I'm just wondering what the impact of that is on this whole program. Right, right. Yeah, can you share with, a little bit with that? Because obviously you're, you're on a budget that's sort of set by others and and how, how does that work out True. as the year that, that, progresses? That's a great observation, Larry. And, yep. and it, this is how it works. Um, the county funding, um, which is on a fiscal year, uh, supports the uninsured visits to the federally qualified health centers. But as you know, these entities yep. also uh, receive funding and yep. state um, you know, uh, monies to address other individuals that either have Medicaid, mm-hmm. Medicare, or have health care coverage. So it's, it's a payer mix. It's a different right. you know, group of people. But the funding is directly to address the uninsured visits that that are supported by the federally qualified health center. Right. Now, is there a place, I I think a lot of our listeners end out having an experience that they weren't planning on ending out being in a hospital, getting a huge bill that they don't have insurance, they didn't pay. Is there anything going backwards in these programs that can assist? Well, um, yes, there are different uh, ways of addressing, you know, once the patient has been seen in the emergency room and you did it, you know, you said that number, you know, $3,500 on a bill that you're not going to be able to pay. Either the hospital is going to have to absorb that cost or the patient has to, you know, apply for a payment plan or for financial assistance. Or ruin their credit. Or ruin their credit. So so there are care navigators and, and, and outreach specialists that try to connect those patients with those resources after the fact. But we're trying our best to, uh, you know, make oh, sure, sure that there's an end up in M- that Much situation. better to avoid than to try yeah. to repair about that. That's, that's, right. that's got to be an extra challenge. Yes. 
So we're getting a little short on time. I want to give you both a chance to throw in any any other information that you'd like to put out there that's not part of a, a loaded question. <laughs> no, no, no. I just want to remind people that this is a kind of a unusual opportunity that we're in right now until August 15th for people to get marketplace coverage. So if you've tried in the past, you've gotten frustrated, um, you didn't think you qualified, um, or your situation has changed. I, you know, I recommend people to come back to the marketplace, come see one of our navigators. We have some in-person appointments, but we're doing a lot virtual. And interestingly enough, most people want to see us virtually. So we're yeah. fine with that. We're happy to help you um, get covered and um, avoid bankruptcy, which we know medical bills are the number one reason people go bankrupt in this country. So we want to avoid that, plus avoid unnecessary emergency room care. Yes, and I, I have to say the same. I mean, PCAN has been around, like I said, around 20 years, but uh, m- making sure that the, the population is aware of the marketplace, especially during these um, difficult times. So, yes, that is our, the, the, main, um, the main message today to the community is to make sure that they get connected with uh, Navigator to get enrolled in the marketplace. Access to health care. Thank you, Rebecca and Ann. How can our audience learn more or contact you at PCAN? Uh, well, we have we have two websites. We have a pro, an organizational website and a project website. So, so to get a navigator to help with health insurance, our website is coveringcfl.net. They can go there. They can give us a call. Um, they can even make an appointment online with one of our navigators, and we'll help them. And if they don't qualify for an insurance plan, then we'll get them connected to one of the PCAN clinics. And as we go to break, I want to remind our audience about our question of the week. How likely are you to get vaccinated? Please call us at 407-701-7424 or email us at healthcarenow at orlandomedicalnews.com. Thank you. We'll be right back. Concerned about COVID-19, MRSA, Candida, C. diff, and more? Healthcare systems across the U.S. trust Curis disinfection systems to protect patients and staff. Curis delivers high-level disinfection products for hospitals, surgical centers, clinics, physicians' offices, and dental suites. Curis means disinfection. Go to curissystem.com, C-U-R-I-S-S-Y-S-T-E-M, or 1-800-928-8708. In just eight seconds, Healthy Soul UVC kills up to 99.99% of the pathogens on the soles of shoes. HealthySole.com. Smart prevention, fewer pathogens, Healthy Soul. Life can be challenging, even before COVID. Everyone experiences worry, anxiety, or even depression occasionally. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by stress, isolated due to COVID, are a caregiver to aging parents, or are dealing with any major life transition, Counseling Resource Services can help. We provide in-home and telehealth counseling covered by Medicare. Contact us at 407-654-4433 or visit us on the web at counselingresourceservices.com. Are improved patient outcomes valuable? Improved chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, medication management, all without increasing practice workload or expenses. rx to live provides a turnkey solution. Interested? rx or call John Fogarty, 609-605-6859. That's 609-605-6859. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us. 
ipnetworkflorida.com. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. What, what great comments by uh, Rebecca and uh, Ann. Healthcare access equals PCAN. Um, Larry, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with um, the illegal use of uh, narcotics in Florida. Yeah, you know, it's probably one of the most serious issues in our country today, John. Chronic pain contributes to an estimated $700 billion a year in direct medical cost, loss of productivity, disability programs, and this is based on information from the Institute of Pain Management. And because of this impact, it is imperative that we have a greater depth of knowledge of what's going on when treating uh, chronic pain. And one stat, Dr. Mark, that kind of threw me a little bit is 136 people die a day in America based on opioid overdose, right? which includes both prescription and illegal right, right. drugs. Yeah, and, and you know, any information that you read will show you how one or the other is getting, getting bigger and bigger every day. Um, I think the, the news uh, jumps on uh, these fentanyl-laced narcotics or fentanyl-laced drugs that are killing people. Some of, some of them are, are taking these drugs purposefully, not knowing the fentanyl's there, and some, some are not. And then just the number of prescription drugs. And I think when we talk about the opioid crisis, I think history is really very, very important. Because at the end of the day, we can't just stop this by stopping the access of fentanyl coming over our borders, right, okay? Right. Because, quite frankly, when there's that much money at stake, somebody's going to figure out a new way to do it. I mean, we talked exactly. about how the U.S. Yep. mail service yep. is bringing in yep. huge amounts of fentanyl every day. That's it's amazing. Actually it's coming just, in on yeah. two, two levels. Yeah. It's the U.S. Postal Service right. and over the border. Over the border. Yep. And we're not yep. talking about over the border in little yep. packs. We're talking about semi-tractor trailers yep. that are coming in. And right. bringing out out stuff, it's 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 well, really the most maddening. recent one was in Arizona where they found 254 pounds of fentanyl was right. hid pounds. in. No one talks about pounds. fentanyl. Pounds. I know that's a lot of that's millions of dollars. Yep, yep. It found in the body of a pickup truck that was trying to uh, bring in cucumbers into the country yep. from yep. Mexico. No, I mean the do- <laughs> the dollars here are unfathomable. Yep. But but so so we're not going to you know we should try to stop that. No question. But we're not going to stop things until we stop the desire for people exactly. to access the drug. So right. why do we have such an opioid crisis? Yep. Well, I, I, Larry, I handed you a book earlier today, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's really a great book. I want to I want to True tell Tale it. of America's Opioid Epidemic. Right. So, so it's an interesting book, yep. and it's a, it's, a, it's a real book about real, real mm-hmm. information, and it talks about uh, something that happened in the same timeline. It talks about the Oxycontin addiction issues in the United States and the influx of black tar heroin from Mexico yep. happening in the U.S. at the same time in different cities, how those cities were affected mm-hmm. and how those two things kind of came together and worked off each other. Right. So you had people that were addicted to prescription opioids that ended out becoming addicted to heroin. Right. And and when you, the number it's, it's a fan, it's a great book. Well, it's interesting. uh you know, since 2000, there have been over 400,000 opioid and void deaths, uh, opioid involved deaths in the United States, but 70,000 of them were in the last two years. Yeah. No, it's, 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 and crazy there was a 2018 self report household survey done, 
and it generated an estimate of 2.35 million Americans suffering from opioid use overdose. And for many reasons, this is likely a very low estimate. Well, I mean, there's a, there's another book that addresses just the the pill mills. Mm-hmm. It's called American Pain. Okay. Okay. It's based right mm-hmm. here in Florida. Um, if you read the book, you'll see lots of uh, landmarks that you're very familiar with. And it's another. It's a quick read. It's a documentary. Uh, fantastic. And and I say again, go back to the history of how this happened and how we've created this. And that mm-hmm. to me, that's going to be the way that we fix this. Right. Okay. I think certainly decreasing access. That's yes. great. No but, question. But understanding that these problems, you know where you know where they actually start? They actually start with us in the hospital. It's exactly right. Because if people yeah. are walking out of the hospital with a prescription, they're they're for oxycotton or something. Or, for, yep. Yeah, usually mm-hmm. it's like the Percocets, the little lower level yep. and but it grows and it grows. There was a fantastic I'm not I'll, I'll talk about the study. I won't be able to tell you where it was from, but mm-hmm. they did a uh, longitudinal study looking at breaking up into age groups of opiate naive patients mm-hmm. so they hadn't had opiates and they left with a a prescription for a percocet type drug mm-hmm. right and the percentage of those who were still taking an opioid five years later okay wow. so so in the teenage age group so 12 to 18 year old almost six percent of those kids were still taking so they were wow. addicted six percent mm-hmm. So if I mm-hmm. so if I do an operation on a kid, I fix his inguinal hernia or take out his appendix, and you know, patients, my patients actually don't get opioids in the end. Right. Well, I was going to ask you about that, Doctor Mark, because you know, as a surgeon, you've been a leading advocate of reducing opioid use with surgery and post-surgery patients. Tell right. us a little bit about that. Uh, it, it's been a work in progress, but over the last five years, um, my everybody that I work with at the hospital understands that that my patients don't get opioids up front. Because there are plenty of studies that show that if you get them up front, you're going to need them on the backside. Okay, so it, the hardest part was sort of convincing folks to just stay away from their habits of, you know, I I do this, this, and this during surgery. Oh, and then I give a dose of dilaudid, mm-hmm. right? And so we're not using it ahead of time. We're using it if if we need to. And the crazy part is, like in my surgery center, two years right. running, we haven't given a single opioid. Wow, not a single opioid. And so if somebody wants to go home with an opioid, you can express that, you know, actually, we didn't give you any narcotics here today. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Let's see how it goes. And, and what's patient, the patient recovery time? Their recovery's faster and their right. and the phone calls are less. Right. I mean, I used to get phone calls that would say, hey, whatever med you're giving isn't controlling the pain. I don't get those phone calls anymore. Right. And I'm passionate about this, but it it's an uphill battle because yeah. healthcare providers aren't all owning up to the fact that the problem really starts with us. Now, it's also those unused narcotics that end out in somebody's cabinet, and then the kids find it, whether yep. they use it or sell it. Or I mean, it's a, it's a tremendous ongoing issue. Yes. You know, what, you know when they send, when, when China's sending over all these packets of Yeah, I'm going to talk about that in Are you going to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. how do you it's think ridiculous. that even works? It only yeah. works because yeah. there's a prescription network yeah. that they can sort yeah. of be covered by. Right. Well, let me throw one number out here, and then we'll talk about uh, the evolving issue of opioid overuse in this country. Right now, we spend almost 4% of our GDP on opioid treatments, which is over $700 billion in this country. Wow. And, and when you really look at the evolvement... It started with prescription pain meds, just like you said. Yep. And then it moved into heroin. Yep. 
and then it moved into fentanyl. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if people realize, but fentanyl is 50 times more potent than yep. heroin. Right. And it has fueled one of the deadliest epidemics in U.S. history. Right. And just for our listeners that aren't familiar, so fentanyl is mm-hmm. is an opioid um, that's used in the hospital because not only is it incredibly potent, which means you don't have to use a large volume of it, you give a smaller dose, it's quick on, quick off. So it doesn't last as long as if you were to take an oral opioid or even if you gave IV dilated or morphine, it doesn't last as long. But tremendously yeah. addictive. And no one ever thought, you know, they designed these medications and like, oh, this is going to be great because I can take some of the operating room, I give them a little bit of fentanyl, they're going to be pain-free, and then it's going to be out of their system. It's going to be great. But they yeah. don't understand that the drug may not be detectable in the system, but its effects on the pain receptors I got you. continue forward. And that's, that's, that's the snowball that begins to, begins to grow. Well, it's, it's interesting is how far this fentanyl issue has come you know, a few years ago, even under the Trump administration, there were some safeguards put in place for screening packages. You had mentioned postal yep, service right, right. with FedEx and UPS, yep. but it d- completely eliminated the United States Postal Service because they thought it would slow down our mail. So guess guess where it so went. So guess where the Chinese <laughs> sent. Just to give you an idea, there are a million packages a day entered at JFK in New York from foreign countries. Right. And it's estimated that 40% of those packages are not even screened at all. No, they can't be because it, no. it, 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 everything would come to a screeching halt. That's crazy. No, it is. And, and you know, that's that's going to be the problem with the border as well. You know, we, we have a number of vehicles that cross cross the border, go, goes up and up and up. And so, you know, our Border Patrol agents don't have enough resources, time, energy, livelihood to, to get it all done and it's it, it really is that, that's you know that's why i'd like to see the responsible providers take this as their number one thing and see if we can decrease the growth of of addiction right and well, you know and we'll, i mentioned we'll work on both sides right well i mentioned earlier four hundred thousand people have died since uh, 2000 but actually from 1999 to 2019 over a half a million people have died from overdose in using opioid prescription and illicit mm-hmm. drugs. Right, right. So a half a million people in the last two decades. And think about the number of people that are affected by that that number. Okay, by oh, yeah. by one death. Right. You know, all the families, the friends. I mean, because you know, we've had just, you know in, in the kids' school there have been issues over the years that you see, and it's you know, these it's it's the people you know. Right. This isn't. This isn't the, a group of the population that you don't know, that you don't associate with. Right. So you know, this, what's our message here, Dr. Mark? Because I know we're running out of time. I think we all have a level of, a re, of responsibility here, and we can pay, pay better attention as providers and as consumers on how dangerous these seemingly, oh, yeah, my doctor gave me that drug. It can't be dangerous. How dangerous it really yes. is. And let's start there. Another morning of information empowering our audience. It's time to recognize our sponsors and advertising partners who make this program possible. This week's sponsors, Nick DiOrio with Healthy Soul Decontamination, www.healthysoul.com, and Raul Alvarez with CVRX, www.cvrx.com. A big thanks to my co-hosts who spent an awful large part of their week preparing for this show, Dr. Mark with Pediatric Surgery PA, 
and Larry with the Integrated Independent Physicians Network. Thank you to our guest today, Dr. Otegbe with Nightlight Pediatrics and Rebecca Siago and Ann Pacman with Orange County's Pecan. Our advertising partners today were Diana with Cicado Films, John with Rx to Live, April and Mary Catherine with Counseling Resource Services, and myself, John Kelly, with the Orlando Medical News. Larry, any final thoughts for our audience? Yes, John. You know, if you're dealing with opioid abuse or addiction, make sure that you get your family, you get some help. I think that's one of the most important things from our messages today. And take the time to become an informed healthcare consumer. It's one of the best ways to protect your family. See you Amen. next week. You feel better now? We hope you do. Join us again next week for Healthcare Now. For a podcast of this program, go to theanswerorlando.com. Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at orlandomedicalnews.com or give us a call at 407-701-7424. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Are you concerned about health care skyrocketing expenses? Monthly premiums approaching $2,000? Out-of-pocket expenses up 50% the past 10 years? Introducing Health Care Now, the truth about U.S. health care. Join the discussion. 7 to 8 a.m. Saturday mornings on AM 950 and FM 94.9. Co-hosted by IPN's Mark Chayot and Larry Jones and Orlando Medical News' John Kelly.